0: Welcome to Jaipur Bites, I'm your host Laksh Tata. This episode is the edited version of a live session from the Jaipur Literature Festival 2021. Enter Stage Right, the Alkazi Padamsi Family Memoir. Faizal Alkazi, Amal Alana, Kwasar Thakur Padamsi in conversation with Sanjoy Roy, introduced by Renuka Chatterjee.
1: Al-Kazi has very kindly given me the credit for how this book came about when I asked him at a Diwali party in in pre-COVID times why he had never thought of writing his family memoir. But I must confess that after having asked him, I did have a few qualms about whether he would be able to pull it off. I mean, it's bad enough to have an icon or two in one's family, but what do you do when you have a whole profusion of them? There was his father, Ibrahim El Qazi, who uh, literally took English theatre in India from the college, or from the auditorium of Saint Xavier's College in Bombay, and his own terrace in Vittal to the national stage and then the international stage, and who, as director of the National School of Drama for 15 years from 1962 to 77, has left an indelible stamp on theater and cinema in India, having uh, taught students like Nasiruddin Shah, uh, Om shippuri Om Puri, Roini Hatangadi, um, Uttara Bhakar, and many others. From the Badamsi side, there was his, uh, his uncle, Alec Badamsi, who was a legend in both advertising and theater worlds and um, who in the 70s gave India its first rock opera, Jesus Christ Superstar, and whose uh, performance as Walter Lohman in uh, Arthur Miller's Death of a Salesman, a role which he reprised many times, is still a landmark in theater. There's his mother, Roshan Alkazi, who began designing costumes for the stage at the age of 17 for her brother Sultan, Bobby Padamsi, and continued till the age of 77 for her husband, Ibrahim, and who was also the founder director of Art Heritage, a gallery which has over the years showcased practically every uh, big artist, uh, big name in the art world and many uh, promising newcomers as well. There was Sultan Padamsi himself who in 1943 founded uh, India's first theatre group, Called the Theatre Group, and, uh, which was the launching pad for both Ibrahim Al Qazi and Alec Padamsi. And not to forget Pearl Padamsi, Faisal's aunt, Alec's first wife, who will always remain in our hearts for her roles in uh, movies like Khatta Mita and Bato Batome. Well, I think Faisal handled this uh, by simply forgetting the table legends and talking about them just as he knew them and remembers them. And in doing so, he has given us an insight into what they were like in ways that we would never have known before. For instance, uh, stories like how his father had to share paired trousers with his cook and his father in his impoverished days in Bombay. And how Alec Badamsi's very first stage appearance was a silent role in uh, a school production of Merchant of Venice, where he simply had to stand on the stage with his face painted black. This was at the age of seven. But um, the Alkazi Padamsi memoir story is not just a family memoir. It is also the story of theatre in India from the 1940s on. Because you can't talk about the Alkazis and the Padamsis without talking about theatre. Uh, Sultan Badamsi's production of Oscar Wilde Salome in 1943, which was one of the earliest English theater, English plays to be staged. Going on through the forties, where the theater group performed mainly um, Shakespeare and Oscar Wilde, T.S. Eliot, Marlowe, in English of course. Until in the 1950s, Alec Badamsi directed Shawkat Azmi, First in Ke Khlone, a Hindi translation of Tennessee Williams' The Glass Menagerie, and then in Sarasansar Apna Parivar, an adaptation of Arthur Miller's All My Sons. And so the theatre group began to, in small ways, let Hindi in. Until by the 1970s, plays like Dharamvir Bharti's Andhayug and Mohan Rakesh's Leroke Rajans became a regular part of Ibrahim Alkazi's Oove. Culminating with his production of Girish Karnad's Tughlaq, one, uh, one of the last plays that he produced as uh, director of the National School of Drama and which was staged in the open air against a dramatic backdrop of the Killa. Today, Faisal, his sister Amal Alana, his cousin Rayal Padamsi, uh, his other cousin Kwasar, who is here with us today, and many other cousins, nephews, nieces of the Alkazi Padamsi family carry on the tradition so that the next generation of Alkazi Padamsis who decides to write a family memoir will have an even more difficult job. But we at Speaking Tiger are delighted to have published this book, and I can assure you that if you enter stage right, you will not only be entering a family drama of the most dramatic kind, ...but also a history of contemporary theatre in India... ...as it really has never been told before.
2: Thank you, Faisal, for publishing with us. Thank you, Renuka, for those warm words. Educationist, theatre director and activist... ...Faisal al Qazi lives and works in New Delhi. He is the author of two plays, Noor and Acquired Desire... ...and the director of over 200 plays... ...mainly with his group, Ruchika. He is working on two new books one on the artist FN Sauza, while the other is a murder mystery with the feisty Mrs. Malhotra.
3: So lovely to be here, and the strange job that Renuka gave me just around two years ago, and I really cogitated about it for almost six weeks, and my wife Radhika kept nudging me, do it, do it, nobody else is going to write it. So I just went and met Renuka and I said, actually how to go about this? Oh, she said you speak so effortlessly, Just speak, and that's it. And it kind of flowed out of me, the story, having to start with somewhere. I started with that very unusual image in my grandmother's house in Bombay of a horseshoe-shaped dining table, which none of you all have seen in your lives, a horseshoe-shaped dining table. So she saw it in some Hollywood movie, and she thought, why don't I have one like this? I have such a large family so many children and nonstop guests all the time. All my kids are involved into rehearsing, and rehearsing in the house, in the drawing room, nowhere else. So I think that first image of that horseshoe-shaped table where the theater group really started uh, was the starting point for my story. And then I've tried to bring it back full circle at the end of the story, because my cousin Ryle, Alec and Pearl's daughter, still lives in the house, and the horseshoe table is still there. So we moved out of the dining room, and it's come into the drawing room for some strange reason. So it was a lot of fun doing it. And uh, people said, isn't it tough? I said, no. And then often I'm asked, is it tough being al Qazi's son? And I've said, no. I said, we accept in so many of the arts the gharana. Music may be easily accepted, no? So I'm from al Qazi Gharana. And that's OK. So they have the Alkazis and the Padamsis both sides. Lovely. Lovely to be here with you all today.
2: we present enter stage right the Alkazi qazi Padamsi family memoir is a heartfelt homage to one of the greatest alliances in the world of theatre and art in post-independence India penned by noted director Faisal Alkazi son of the late theatre veteran and director of the National School of Drama Ibrahim Alkazi and Roshan Alkazi pioneering costumer and founder director of art heritage the memoir charmingly recounts the stories and anecdotes that constitute the history of Indian theater, bringing them to life with insightful observations and more than 50 archival photographs. Amal Alana is the director of Art Heritage and a trustee of the Alkazi Foundation of the Arts. As a renowned theater director, she has directed over 60 productions, including Nati Binodini, Erindira, and her heartless grandmother, Sonata. Lear, Himmat Mai, Begum Barve, Mahabhoj, etc. Alana is a versatile personality who writes extensively on art and theater and is the recipient of several national and international awards including the Sangeet Natak Academy Award for Direction.
4: Well you know till I had joined NSD I had absorbed whatever I knew about theater through a process I would say of osmosis because We lived theatre, we breathed theatre and our whole lives were full of my father's activities in our very tiny apartment in Bombay. So I had learnt a lot about theatre from my father, but it was in a more casual way. Once I went into the National School of Drama, I kind of became his formal student. So becoming his formal student meant that the relationship with him had to undergo some kind of a change and I was not aware of... Oh, I didn't even think this through. I was all of 17 years old. But it was obvious that my father had thought about this. And I think from day one, he made it right clear to everyone around and to myself that I would be treated no different from anyone else in the school. And in fact, I was going to be made an example of. So on many occasions, it was that I was, you know, hauled up in class for not doing my work on time. Or I was hauled up for being late, or I was really given, you know, the rough end of the stick by my father. And on many occasions, since I was so young, I didn't quite understand and I felt that he was being unfair and I would, you know, dissolve into tears. But it was very strange that when we came home, my father would never refer to the incident that had happened in school that day. And he would say, Labu, how are you? How are things? etc. etc. And then we would be father and daughter, whereas in school he would definitely wear another hat and I would be you know just one of the others and obviously I think he also found it not that easy um, because we were really very very close and um, uh, you know we we shared a lot of ideas even while I was growing up on theatre. We were part of a very huge Uh, Padamsi-Arkazi family of of theatre people and we grew up uh, seeing as many plays uh, of my father's as we did of say Alex. Uh, But I have to admit that I was somehow never intimidated by the fact that the other people in our family were doing theatre. I never compared myself to them in some instance and I think this was largely due to the fact That I, from the age of 17, was gaining such a rich and formal training in the theatre. I had so much to learn. And perhaps in my family, I was one of the few people after my father who was actually going through the rigorous training in theatre and not just being born into the theatre. Because I went to NSD and after NSD, then I went on to Germany. So I had three into five years of intense training in professional theatre. So probably that prepared me uh, not to feel intimidated. Also, that gave me a certain amount of confidence that the kind of theatre that I was going to do or pursue was very, very individual to me. It had nothing to do with what was happening either in the theatre group or in the theatre unit or even in the National School of Drama. I knew from a very young age that I was making my own path and I think that this was uh, to a large extent supported by the fact that uh, I had a husband like nassar who was so interested uh, in the work we were doing and we soon became a, a team very early in our marriage. I would say from the first uh, professional production that I actually did that. We were so involved with one another in the kind of theatre which we were going to do that we really hardly looked around us and uh, really felt intimidated. But I also think that uh, my parents played a very crucial role in my having this very individualistic streak uh, and not doing the kind of theatre that my father was doing at all. I don't think I have ever been told that you know your plays resemble your father's. And uh, I think my mother supported my individuality and creativity uh, in, in a much more uh, organic way. And she was always very interested in the new thing I was going to try and explore in the next play, as was Nisad. My father, once I became a professional, kind of became like my colleague. I would exchange notes with him about other people's work. But we rarely ever spoke about what I was doing or what he was doing in any, uh, you know, in in any kind of discussion. We never had a discussion on what kind of theatre I was doing. But he came to all my plays. And he would say very little after he saw the play, whether he liked it or not. And he would really be cracking jokes more with the actors backstage and making them feel good. Uh, about the fact that uh, we had
2: done theatre. In this memorable session, Faisal speaks with Kwasar Thakur Padamsi to discuss the institutional legacy of their family and how they shape the future of arts in India. Kwasar Thakur Padamsi is a theatre Since 1999, he's directed and produced over 25 plays with Bombay based QTP, including Every Brilliant Thing. A Peasant of El Salvador, Project STRIP, So Many Socks, Minorities, and many others about contemporary social concerns. Internationally, he's worked on Tim Supple's A Midsummer Night's Dream and the aerial drama Mind Walking. Here he is in conversation with festival producer Sanjoy. Please do remember to comment by typing it in the comment section. Ladies and gentlemen, enter stage right. The Alkazi Padamsi Family Memoir by Faisal Alkazi. Faisal Alkazi and Kwasar Thakur Padamsi in conversation with Sanjoy Roy.
0: Thank you very much, uh, Renuka and Speaking Tiger. I remember Renuka one day called me and said, you know, we're doing this book and I know with your love for theatre, this is something that you'd love to have at the Literature Festival and there's no way you can say no. Uh, to a collective memoir of both the Alkazi uh, and the Padamsee uh, families, uh, for as Renuka said, the, these are the two premier families of theatre between um, between Delhi and Bombay. My own uh, twist with destiny was that Mrs. Jeffries, which was Pearl's sister, was my elocution uh, teacher in Cathedral and John Connon School, uh, where she tutored me in both uh, Hindi yes and English <laughs> elocution Hindi. Hindi yes and and who judged me but Alec Padamsi and gave me the first prize uh, not that I knew what I was saying in the Hindi version of it but anyway uh, thank you both thank you Q for coming all the way out here and you your followers in America are they now bereft because you've come to Delhi or uh, are they okay uh, it's, it's all safe uh, as you all know
5: the Q is the Q. He is the Q. You know, that's what he is. This is this, is this rubbish QAnon thing you're, you're, you're putting on me. <laughs> no, no.
0: Well, false news is the sort of, you know... That
5: uh, is the narrative. Point of the
0: thing. <laughs> so, Fezal, tell us, somewhere in the book you talk about how Jaipur, you love Jaipur and you spend a month there uh, every year uh, working. Tell us about that experience. The book again, you know, the, the copy that Renuka very wonderfully sent me sort of went back and forth. So after the 57th page, I, or after the 81st page, I think, I kept wondering, but I've read this somewhere. I mean, why am I reading it again? Only to realize in my, in my edition that the book started again. So after page 87, we went to page 57 and continued to 87. And me in my adult mind, I'm like, Okay, I've read this somewhere. I know all of the story. So we're going to go back and forth in time because of that, so
3: start with Jaipur. Okay, so I'll start with Jaipur. A place that had never been at all uh, till somebody from one of the schools I work with in Delhi invited me to go. And this rather wonderful school, Savai Mansing, Maharaja Savai Mansing school, which is now uh, Cathedral School of uh, Jaipur. Uh, they invited me to come and do some work with them. This was in 1988. And of course, behind the school was that completely charismatic Maharani Gayatri Devi, who took to me like, I don't know in what kind of way, but I was constantly told in her very deep, guttural, sexy voice that, al Qazi come and tell me a story or a joke, as she lit her end cigarette for the day. So I worked with the school, and I continued to work with them for the last 33 years. And I was already doing a lot of work right here, right there, uh, already working a lot in Meheroli. Because other than my theater work, I do a lot of heritage education. So I did a book, and I didn't know how to write a book. And Ritu Menin was at Intact, which had just started. And I said, Ritu, give me the money. She said, here's the money for the project. Fabulous. Write a book. I said, Ritu, I've never written a book. She said, just as you speak, exactly what Renuka told me so many years later. So I wrote the first book in Delhi about Mehrodi. So I'm in very hallowed places. And then I went on to write a second book about my work in Jaipur, again with heritage education. And really it was published by Jaipur Virasat Foundation where JLF was born. So Faith was very keen. She said, you worked forever. You must do the book. So it was great fun. It was Pramod's time, I think, there, as a director. And that's how I've just been in and out of Jaipur every year. seen it change so much. And actually, one sees the transition in society, in culture, and in Jaipur, it's going before your eyes. You know what I mean? So you go every time, and some other thing has disappeared forever. So when Renuka really asked me to write this, I said, there's a whole turning point in Indian history just before and after independence. And such important work happened in the arts. We know the national movement, but we don't know enough of theater movements, cinema movements, art movements. So I thought I'll just start documenting it before all those people go who led those movements. So whether Indrani Rahman in dance, Habib Rahman, who's built so much of Delhi that we recognize today. Raj Rival is also very much from that period. Uh, Of course, the great artist, Hussain, who designed Sets for my father's first play and was very much a family friend. Tayab Mehta, who was very much a part of our household, uh, there regularly and living with us for a period of time, the whole family. And then, of course, into the theater movement as well. Uh, So I said, let's put it down. So I I grew up, Sanjoy, in a very strange space because my parents had just bought this house. And it was a flat on the fifth floor And there were no walls. I mean, the bathroom and the kitchen had walls. But other than that, there were no walls because he wanted a large rehearsal space. So everything was rehearsed there. There was a little kind of a curtain. It was literally a hessian curtain from one of the plays. The furniture was all built for one play or the other. So the table from Miss Julie, the pillars from Hedda Gabler, that was the furniture in our house, literally. And uh, me and my sister, Amal, who's older than me, we grew up in this absolutely fantastic environment, and he built a theater on the terrace. So we didn't have to go far up. We had to go up about 30 steps, and we were there. And a theater open to the skies, his first Megdu theater. The second Megdu theater, Kwaza is reminding me so much like where we are sitting now. People know it from NSD and the huge big people tree under which they built that particular theater. So on our terrace in Bombay, on the sixth floor was this theater where he did media. He did the first Indian production of Suddenly Last Summer. He did Waiting for Godot. Uh, he did Yerma. He did Volpone. And it was interesting because up that staircase, there was no lift in that building. So Pupul Jaikwar walking up the steps. Kamla Devi Chattopadhyay walking up the steps. Girish Karna's first encounter with Western Theater, coming there as a young college student. Uh, hanging out with Meghnad Desai and both walking up these steps and experiencing one of Alkazi's plays on the terrace. And of course, he started as if you read the book, you'll know uh, from uh, our collective uncles because Kwaza and me are immediate cousins. Uh, So Bobby Padamsi, Sultan Padamsi, who was so much a part of the kind of charismatic figure you can imagine in 1943 coming back from England where he had gone to study. He had to wait to get into Oxford because he was too young. He'd finished his senior Cambridge when he was 14. And to enter there, you had to be 15 years old. So he was waiting. He was one of those prodigies. And he used to dress like I do now, colored kurtas, churidars, or pre-independence. Paul Padamsi used to wear actually khadi kurtas and khadi pajamas, because she was from a very nationalist kind of a family. And he used to wear a cloak. Bobby used to wear a cloak over this, grab hold of one of his mother's chokers and wear it on top of his kurta, and had 50 pairs of jutis. So not very different to everybody at the Jaipur Literature Festival. (laughs) Uh, And that was the kind of person who really trailblazed so much, starting his production of Othello with the last scene with actually uh, Othello murdering Desdemona. So that's how he started. This is in 1945. No, earlier. Yeah, for, 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 yeah 40, 43, 44. okay. And everybody was shocked in Bombay. You can't do this to Shakespeare. You can't have Shakespeare with a flashback. Now we're used to it with all of Vishal's films. We can have Shakespeare anywhere. You know what I mean. Kashmiri bhi bhi do, Kanya Kumali bhi <laughs> but it was a very different world, and to be able to break all those rules, and I think Sanjoy is going to go to another part of his personality later, so I'll keep that hidden.
0: And in fact, the bathroom, in in the flat, as he said, there was only one bathroom, so every time he or Amal or their mother had to go, it was al Qazi Saab actually rehearsing in the, in the bathroom, ma- Completely unmindful of the of, of the fact that they too had to in the morning go to the bathroom. That was, he
3: had some idea. It was soundproof, <laughs> so there he was screaming out these terrible lines from Midia about how midia has killed uh, the second wife of uh, Jason, and you know, and then he was that huge speech from Waiting for Godot of Lucky's because he acted in that. So we had to wait. We knew how long this Samuel Beckett piece was, <laughs> so we waited patiently, holding back our susu and potty.
0: <laughs> Q, uh Kulsum House uh, in, and this Kulsum Terrace and this it is a character in the book pretty much like the dining table is a character of the book with all the goings-ons and uh, Sultan Padamsi and 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 uh, well Sultan Bobby Padamsi tell us a little bit about your experience today at Kulsum House but also tell us that how is it that both of you are still on the same stage part of the same family when theater groups split there's thunder there's lightning god comes there's never to be seen faces ever again and yet after the split the families continue to sort of indulge in their son-in-law who
5: created a second group so i mean and and fessel re- refers to this in the book as well but i think it was an artistic split um but the artists didn't <laughs> split in the same way um so so there was there was uh, um when when uh, theater group which is which is still kind of functioning uh, in a strange way and thespo that i that i run is actually run under the aegis of 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 theater group today um and hidayat has just brought back theater unit as a tribute to Dubeji and and Ghazi as well so both technically both theater companies are still are still functioning in 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 bombay um but I think I think the the, the split happened at a time. Uh, it was a clash of of uh, personalities at a particular time. It was also a very vibrant time. Um, Theatre Group is, is is one of those rare places where a a whole bunch of people, perhaps because of of uh, being drawn to Bobby as as that, so you you know talent draws talent as they say, um, and all these people came together. But and for a short span of time. It was incredibly exciting, but with that many people wanting to go in different directions, it's inevitable that something will split. Uh, and Al Ghazi Saab then decided that he wanted to do his own kind of work, uh, helmed in a particular way, after, with a different kind of rigor, and and theatre unit formed and. At the time, a lot of people went. Oh my God! Everyone's being split. The actors are, you know, actors didn't know whose side do I go to. You know, uh, I think only Jerson was welcome in both camps, uh, Jerson Dikuna and Kersi Katrak. Um, but otherwise, it was it was it was a real problem. Either you work there or you work here. Um, but strangely, uh, I think very soon, a couple of years in, suddenly everyone went. Oh my God! How fertile this time has become, because now there are two th- kinds of theaters happening. And just as Meghdoot was was happening on one terrace, there was stuff happening on Kulsum Terrace, which is which is where uh, which is named after my uh, our, our grandmother Kulsumbai. Um, and then there was Bella Terrace that was created as a theater. Uh, Derek Jeffries was doing stuff, I think, at Meher Mansion on his terrace. So suddenly, from a from a space where there was no theater happening, everyone kind so so theater you, uh unit you can call it a split but you can also call it a catalyst uh, that that moment suddenly created more work and because the work was different enough i think um or or each one was trying their own own thing i think they they existed um not in the same rehearsal room, but but they could sit in the same drawing room and chat. And I think that's that's kind of something that's the, that's the same. On. U- the same u shaped yeah the, the same horseshoe shaped uh, table. And I think that's that's endured, um, and Colson Terrace still very much is there as 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 a building. Uh, Almost as a character in Bombay theatre, or the 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 law of Bombay theatre. I still meet people who say, "Oh, you know, we've been there and watched a play," or, or people who've who've been to uh, Meghdoot, the first Meghdoot, and Vittal Court, um, and and it is it is it is still there. It's very much. Uh, uh, a
0: and p- you all still get together on weddings and occasions, and
5: yes, I mean uh, pretty much I, as as families do. You know, I mean that's 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 the way where i think um we're a little more flamboyant than 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 most uh but and and the other problem as we're finding right now is we're all storytellers and we all kind of like to tell stories so an evening can go on for hours because each one is 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 working in the theater in fact a lot of us work in the theater um and and you know, it's coming up, recounting with story after story after story. Some of it is heritage and some of it is not. And for me, what was really lovely about the book is the fact that this is a history that I don't know. Um, it was It's before my time. But uh, you should
3: talk I, about, I mean, you've done a play on Kulsumbai. Yes, I have. Khatija Bai of Karmali Terrace, which some of you all may have seen. Even though Kwaza never really interacted with my grandmother, with Kulsumbai, but he wrote a very fine play which was Went on for years with Jayati <laughs> let, let,
0: let me p- add a question to that. You know, you talk about y- your grandmother, uh, Kulsumbai, and there you're talking about splits, and then one fine day, your grandfather uh, decides to go off and uh, live happily ever after with yet another person, and nobody in the family really questions or, or looks at his absence, and it's never spoken about. So add that into your...
5: So... Um, Yeah, A, it was a, a, I mean, I'd like to say it was a strange time, but it's not like that didn't repeat itself, you know, in, in, in other generations. Um, but Kulsumbai was an incredible woman, um, and she found purpose in, she, she came from a very small space, uh, what you, you'd call a very humble background in theory, but for some reason she saw value in education, um, and she very early on turned to her, uh, her husband, which is our, our grandfather, and said, I want more. I want something better. And I want my kids to, to be educated better. And he was very much uh, happy with the status quo, happy with the way it, it went. Um, but she was incredibly driven. I mean, there's a fantastic story where... So, so, so the family, my grandfather ended up building a bunch of buildings. And at some point, the Navy had taken over a building. She went and sat and and then the Navy was supposed to give it back Um, and this is pre-independence but they refused to give it back Um, so she went and sat in that procurement officer's office every day for two years. Every morning she would just turn up and sit in that office and literally bit by bit by bit you know eventually he they said look I can't see you here anymore please just take that back. Um, so, yeah, you know, quiet resistance with the government is a, you know, it's an old story. Um, and it works. Um, so, so she was, she was incredibly tenacious. And it is remarkable with the kind of latitude that she gave her children, uh, particularly the boys, uh, it, it must be said. But the latitude she gave them to, 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 uh, to dive into the theater, there was no background before that of, of any performance of any kind. Um, and the fact that she gave the latitude to that, the fact that she... So not only did she educate her children, she then started educating herself. And what ended up happening, I think, within the family is that our grandfather started feeling more and more distant from everyone else because they were being, being trained in a world that he could not be part of. And I think, quite honestly, he didn't want to be part of.
0: And he, he left when? At the age of 76? he sort 75, of, yeah. 75, yeah. 75, he, he just walked
3: out into the blue mm-hmm. yeah also, so she had add, gone she just, had gone somewhere right yeah she, i'll just add something to this i think what happened was uh this was his second marriage and all the kids from the first marriage had died and he was very keen that all these kids remain alive so my grandmother actually had a child every 18 months she had 14 children like Mumtaz Mahal. She didn't die like Mumtaz Mahal in the last childbirth. She was very much there. But I think after that, she must have said, let's just stop this tremendous cohabitation and let's stay in separate parts of the house very far from each other. Uh, Though they had meals together at the table, but as Alec told me many, many years ago, they never spoke for 20 years. You know, I never noticed it as a child that my grandmother and grandfather never spoke. So the worlds were different. He was patriarchal to the core. He just wore a white, uh, uh, sort of very broad pajamas and a longish shirt the whole day. He changed them thrice a day. Uh, and he sat on a jhula. And he only spoke Gujarati. He didn't speak English. And he didn't speak Hindi. Uh, wonderful sense of humor. And from Alex's account, there were eight mistresses through those intervening years. And then the last one, when the last son was married, the day the last son, Aziz Padamsi, Bubbles Padamsi, married, Uh, against my grandmother's wishes, as all the sons did, with the exception of one. Uh, She very diplomatically said, I'll go to Pune while the wedding is on, because all the brothers and sisters were going to go. And she would be, of course, conspicuous by her absence. And she went off to Pune, and her husband thought, wow, this is the moment. Doesn't matter if I'm 75, (laughs) pack my bags and run. There's quite a tragic image, which has stayed with me for years of this woman, already into her 70s, entering this huge flat. Because every floor, it's eight flats, and she has the entire floor. Okay, so you can imagine one of those big Bombay mansions with the entire floor. And she's just entering a house where there's nobody there, not a single person. And I remember I stayed with her in the flat because I used to go from Delhi, uh, and there was nobody there.
0: So pretty much, uh, Faisal, pretty much got repeated again with your own mother, where you, uh, Amal, and your mother Roshan was in Chennai uh, or Madras in those days where she was learning with Bal Saraswat. And here your father had moved to Delhi and your mother didn't know that he had actually moved out.
3: Absolutely, very similar story. Delhi. Really, we were back from Chennai many years. My parents had already had... Lots of issues along the way. And uh, then when he moved to Delhi, he decided that was him. And he was not going to be staying with my mother any longer. Uh, it's very well known in Delhi circles and all over India. And then he lived his entire life with Uma Anand, who had left Chetan at that time. And Chetan himself was living with Priya Raj once. Yeah. So uh, yes, the family split again. And I think that's a story for many generations of our family. But, but it's again, repeated. How,
0: but how is it that uh, Roshan, your mother, then continued to create these incredible bits of costuming for every one of your father's productions and then went to Kuwait, uh, they went together to Kuwait and stayed in, in, in their home there uh, in, during this entire period. And how did that affect you both as kids, young people, how did you sort of cope with that?
3: I think we sort of grew up in a society where lots of this was happening. I remember my closest friends, Ram Rehman, the photographer, and Pablo Bartholomew. The parents' story was identical. And it was identical with so many people who were with me in school over here at Modern School. And so many of my cousins had the exact parallel story. For instance, uh, with Kwaza, his father, Alec, and the first wife, Pearl. They had also split somewhere along the way. So in our family, it's been very much uh, part of the family history. Uh, Of the 14 of us cousins, only seven are married at the present. Uh, Seven are either living in or never getting married or have divorced or have made many decisions. And the next generation is following the good example of their great-great-grandfather. Yeah, So it was uh, very much a given part of our lives, Sanjoy. And I think my father and mother remained the closest of friends, and I'd say something more intellectual companions through their lives. So they worked together every single day of their lives. And you must remember, they met when uh, he was 18 and she was 19. Okay, and then they split when uh, it was much later. So they got married in. They met when? In 43, and they split in 62, so many years later. And then they found they just, he couldn't do without her. And neither could she do without him. So I think in many families in India and many parts of the world, this idea of having a relationship continuing, even after you've divorced and are living with someone they never divorced. Separated living with someone else was very much there, as was with Alec and Pearl. Because Pixie was his closest friend. Pearl was Alec's closest friend even when the family had split.
0: I'm going to come back because in the book, uh, Faisal writes about how when, um, when his father brings Uma to see a production that he did, he angrily asks of his father, why did you bring her? And then uh, uh, he doesn't come back to see a production for 15 years, but hold that for a second. You know, in the book, it's sort of infused with Bobby Padamsi, Sultan Padamsi, and at some point of time, we hear that, you know, he took his life. Um, what happened, and what was the sort of, what was that image, and what did it do the to the family at that point of time?
5: So, um, I mean, rem- to begin with, I mean, grandmother was crushed, and I think some of the latitude that she gave the rest of the children was perhaps because she had tried to hold on and and couldn't. Hold on to the mem- to, to Bobby, and, and eventually he took his own life. Um, in fact, a lot of what uh, I know about it is actually thanks to the book, because it's one of those you don't. Uh, it's 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 a wound very very deep, um, and nobody really talks about you know the fa- the suicide in, in, in most societies, and um, but Bobby was a a a giant. In stature, I mean, he was actually not a very big man, <laughs> but but a, as a child growing up, I thought he was ten feet tall because you hear legends and people constantly talk about him and his productions and, and, and the impact he had on everyone around him. Um, and that loss is still keenly felt. If you have a conversation with a Jerson Dikuna or you know anyone, they still feel that that, that loss of Bobby. And, you know? and
0: why why did why did he take his life?
3: Well, as the family got to know quite immediately, he was a gay man. And being a gay man in the 40s was not an easy situation at all in India. And uh, my grandmother had a youngest brother and an eldest brother, both of whom were gay, Bada Mamu and Chota Mamu, who were always in a house living over there in one of the rooms and perpetually with us for lunch. And you know how children are, they say, they are not married. What has happened? You know, the silly questions kids always ask. And it's not a generation where you can say, oh, darling, they're gay, OK? Which perhaps very few people can even say today with ease. So I think it was very frowned upon. So here was this guy who was everything. He was a poet. He was a playwright. He was a painter. He was a theater director, larger than life. Everybody in Bombay knew him at a time, which Alec very lightly says. There were very few celebrities in Bombay then, not like today. But at that time, he was like a standalone Sultan padamsi kind of character. So I think uh, probably a complete lack of acceptance. Uh, and as with many gay men, what he wrote in his final will, which he left the night he committed suicide, at the age of 23. Uh, and my father had been chatting with him till 2 in the morning. So it came as a big shock to the entire family. But as with many gay men, he was involved with uh, a lover from a very different social background. And perhaps there was just an unwillingness in that household, maybe my grandmother or grandfather, of accepting this idea. Because he was in any case so flamboyant and out there. So perhaps he was going to go the whole log and be very flamboyant in what he did. They were also a very wealthy family uh, of Bombay. They had eight buildings, each one named after one of the kids. So there's Chotu Terrace, there's Candy Castle, there's Kulsum Terrace. And in that way, every child she had, there was a new building. And it was not a small building, it was five stories tall, you know, with about four to eight flats, uh, of which we only have two now, I think Chotu Terrace and Kulsum Terrace, yeah. And it was fun because, you know, uh, the floor below my grandmother, I should tell this lovely story, was a brothel forever. I don't know if it still is. I have to check. No. I think <laughs> Rael got them out. But it was very safe to have a brothel because… Rael got meant them into
0: a play, you mean? Huh? Rael got them into a play. No, no. Didn't get them out.
3: <laughs> I won't say that to any of our actors ever. Uh, but that whole idea that if you have a brothel or you have anybody from the underworld there, you're very safe because they pay the hafta to the police. You know what I mean? Hafti wo paise de de te te police ko. So for years, I remember growing up and thinking, who are these wonderful Arab guys with their dishdashas and these very attractive women in high heels and very short dresses, constantly going up the steps. You could come back at a party from 2 in the morning and there are these laughing and the clickety-clack of the high heels coming down, not understanding for very long. This was really a brothel, okay, (laughs) And totally under some kind of family supervision. You take care. Chalado. Q,
0: what is it like for you, I mean you have this whole inheritance um, and, and a larger than life inheritance in the theatre space. When you decided to take this on professionally, was it a conundrum, was it, as he said, it's part of the lineage and therefore it's a, uh, you know, it's part of the process that all of you have to go through? So.
5: Um It's interesting you ask that because I was telling Faisal when I was reading the book I started reading it as though this is a family biography Uh, and I was learning things about people that I knew of but literally by chapter 2 it became more interesting to me as a chronicle of theatre history and I think that's quite a remarkable thing that if you actually look across the board at all of us who work in the theatre our work is incredibly different it's diverse. Amal and Faisal's work is, is different. Uh, what I do, what Rael does, it's, it's very, very different. And we were never told that theatre had to be a particular way. Um, so I think that is quite a remarkable thing. Um, and, and just to take off from what we were earlier talking about, about uh, Alkazi sahab and Roshan working together, my father said something very interesting. He said, uh, I've had 70 families. And suddenly, I turned to him and went, listen, I know about three, like, what are these others? Who are these others? And he said, every play. And I said, then you have 73 families, there are three, but for, for, and it is true, the fact that every play, every project that you work on is a family. And I think that because uh, Alkaji Sahib and Roshan work together, they continue to respect each other. And I know that with, with with my father, only when I started sticking glow tape on 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 stages and all for him, that suddenly he thought I was worth something, you know. Uh, and our relationship then grew from there. It's it's a, it's a it's a great. Uh, so I think, in a weird way, we are theatre first and family second. Um, in 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 that way, I mean. I, the, the closest al- I am to any of the Alkazis, for example, is Zuli. But that's because we both lit a show together. You know, <laughs> we have we have a working relationship, which then has spilled into into a, a familial relationship. Almost opposite to how it it should happen. Um, so when I was starting out, it was very much you know is is this what you want to do? This is there is this this baggage, this lineage. But very very early on, uh, n- we were never put. Under any pressure that it had to be a particular way, um, the first show that I ever directed, my father turned up um, for the, during the dress rehearsal at the interval point, and the crew were like, "You can go in and watch," and he said, "No," and he waited till the interval happened. Then he handed us a cake, said, "Best of luck for tomorrow," and he left. And it was, and he said, "I'll see it tomorrow," and that was such a vote of confidence, saying, "You do your thing." And I think it, we've all kind of, yes, the 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 you know, it has to be absolutely well-rehearsed, the rigour is important, the attention to detail, those skills have been passed down. But I don't think in terms of choice of play or what we want to do or how we want to do it has ever... ever
0: I know we're time up but I'm going to ask you this last question. You talk about I mean he talked about um, relationship with his father and it grew when he started putting tape. You yourself had a somewhat fractured relationship and you, you, you allude to it at one point when you said your father wrote you a letter when he uh, left NSD, and perhaps the first letter he'd written to you in 15 years or, or, or some such. Tell us a little bit, or end with, what was that like? I mean, you know, the book is really an ode in many ways to your mother, Roshan. Your love uh, for her, your respect for her, your protective uh, self towards her is just incredible, including into her the years where she was ailing. But tell us about uh, your father.
3: Well, I think my you know I was really born at a point where my parents had already split. You know my sister had a very different experience because she's 7 years older than me. So her memory of my father from the ages of her birth right to 14 are very clear and then there was a year away from him and 16 she was back in NSD. So she was suffering his tyranny every day <laughs> 16 17 18 and 19 and anybody who knows my father knows how tyrannical he was how he threw things and was very difficult, uh, was quite demanding perhaps as a theater director and to have a theater director and the father in the same person is, I think, a complicated thing. So I think Sanjoy, from the beginning, there was that division, you know what I mean, because of the years between us. And uh, by the time I was 15, uh, she had got married and gone. And as I think in any family where the parents separate, it's who which parent the child stays with becomes the parent. You know, so that's an automatic kind of a process. So my father would appear on Sunday for these Sunday lunches, but often it was a working lunch, where Badal Sarkar would come for lunch, or Neelam Man Singh would be there for lunch, he was a student at that time, or Mala Singh would come for lunch. So it was always a shared time with other people as well. So that closeness never grew. My mother tried in many ways. I would often walk down from Modern School, Barakamba Road, to Ravindra Bhavan, where he was rehearsing and sit in and see the rehearsals, everything being rehearsed from King Lear to everything, Tughlaq, all the plays in that kind of way. But then then, that's not a father-son relationship. So professionally, perhaps you're getting the training, or you're learning what's important in the theatre kind of space. Uh, But the closeness is never there. And he wrote a fantastic letter to me when he left NSD, because as many in this audience know, people felt he had a huge ego. He's always known, you think of al and the next word is, my God, too much of an ego. So he wrote how he felt by then that the ego was too much and as in theater or in cinema or in any art, in literature, once you become very big, uh, I think strange things start happening to your personality. So there was a recognition in him after being at the head of NSD for 14 years that, okay baby, time's up. You know, somebody else needs to do it. And it's so interesting that in Delhi at NSD, as he had done in Bombay with theatre unit, he handed over to somebody very different. So Bombay to Satyadev Dubey, who was totally different. U.P. Okay? Hindi speaking. And similarly here, he handed over to B.V. B. Karanth, who's a wonderfully talented uh, actor-director. But coming from a totally different genre of theatre, growing up in a very different kind of way and not the westernized background that both my parents had. So, yes, it was a fractured relationship, totally. Uh, it was tough and I was a rebel. Uh, at the age of 16, I remember walking into NSD to one of his place. I had a huge Afro. I wore those uh, kasai wale lungis, like butchers wear when they cut meat, okay, and kurtas. And me and Yusuf Mehta, who was dressed identically, Tayab's son, walked into, and Vanraj Bhatia was there, who was a great god of music, and said, Vaisal, ho par?" I said, Vanraj, my father has no problem with me looking like this, completely non conformist. So, what's your problem? Buzz off. Okay? So, I was, I'm known in my dad's family as being the rebellious one. So, uh, that's remained through my life, uh, just that. Ability to speak back to him, which perhaps not many people had that. Uh, what is that word? We can't say it on the stage over
5: here. Many people don't have the... for it. <laughs> Sorry, just one, one, one really small thing. You were talking about al Ghazi sahab as a, as a, as a tyrant dir- uh, director. When I did my first play, uh, auntie Rosh turned to me and said, so what's it like directing? And I said, you know, I feel a little bit like a dictator. She turned to me but you have to be. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, Alkazi Sab was, uh, was, 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 as you said, uh, you know, he was, uh, he, he demanded of you. And I remember the first time that I met him, he said, interesting face, come and act for me. And I was like, yeah, but you know, what, what? he said, uh, tomorrow, this time, downstairs in the, anyway. Uh, so much more to discover. This is an extraordinary book about theatre, both in Bombay. And in Delhi, you'll see every name that uh, will be familiar to you in the art world. Do pick it up, do delve into it. Uh, many more unasked questions, but I hope we'll be able to do this. Again, uh, one of the most favorite incidents is where they talk about, uh, you know, when, they, when I think Roshan died, who was she? was she? What religion was she of? And I think that again is a very important question uh, for today, but I'll let you discover that by reading the book. Thank you so much. Thank you, uh, Faisal. Thank you, Q, for coming all the way uh, from Bombay. And uh, do enjoy the book. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, so very much. Much. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Jepper Bites, the JLF podcast. I'm your host, Lakshdatta. This podcast is produced by Lon in association with Teamwork Arts. Please subscribe or follow to this show wherever you're listening to this.